You've all heard about ChatGPT, right? <clears throat> you know, artificial intelligence AI. Like <laughs> data? Nothing is better than data. Yeah. I I asked a ChatGPT a question this week. I said, "Is there a God?" And this is the answer that the ChatGPT gave. You. The question of whether God exists has been debated for centuries. There are many different opinions on the matter, and it's ultimately up to each individual to decide what they believe. Some people believe that there is a God who created the universe and everything in it. Others believe that the universe came into existence through natural processes, and there is no God. There are many different arguments for and against the existence of God. Some people argue that the complexity of the universe and the fact that it seems to be finely tuned for life suggest that there must be a creator. Others argue that the existence of suffering and evil in the world is evidence that there cannot be a loving God. Ultimately, whether or not you believe in God is a personal decision. And it goes on to say, if you're interested in exploring this topic further, there are many books and resources available for spiritual growth and religious philosophy. So uh, it gave me five suggestions. The first one is The Power of Now. The next one is the seven spiritual laws of success. Next one was no mud, no lotus, the art of transforming suffering. And then the last, last two are the untethered soul. And finally, the alchemist. Somewhere there was no Bible. And, you know, as I thought over the answer here, I said, you know, they didn't really answer the question if there's a God. They just talked about whether people believe it or not and how it might help you or not. I, I have to tell you that that sounds like that AI was programmed by a government analyst because it basically is like a whole a page that says nothing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of hot wind. So, that's our future. Uh, so, you know, the question I have is do you believe... There's something, a force, a deity, that is in ultimate control of the world. All things that exist, and even you. And who or what is that force? Some will say the universe. Others refuse to consider anything other than unexplained randomness. Some say karma. Some say spirits. Some say science or scientific laws. Many say Mother Nature. We say God. But then the question is, who is a God? Who is God? You know, we ask, is there a God? But who is God? If we say God is in control, he's sovereign, who is God? We need to be able to answer that question. How do we explain who God is to someone. Well, this is uh, the answer. He is the one living and true God, eternally existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, equal in power and glory. And this triune God upholds all, created all, and governs all. God the Father is an infinite, 
personal spirit, perfect in holiness, wisdom, power, and love, and he concerns himself mercifully in the affairs of men. He hears and answers prayer, and he saves from sin and death all who come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a mouthful, I understand, but I guess we could never really stop answering that question, you know, who is God? There's a lot to be said about him, and, and today I'm going to kind of keep our conversation, our answer to this question channeled into one thread, so it's not everything that fully answers the question, but maybe it'll be enough to inspire you to you know, kind of research this question yourself over the next week or two. So turn with me to Psalm 103. This is going to be our scripture for the day, Psalm 103. Only one? No, one old chapter. <laughs> Are you there? Psalm 103. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all of your iniquities, meaning your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, thank you, Jesus, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That would mean our sins. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And his place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. Precepts is teaching. 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you, 
his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, you, his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. 22, bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. That feels like a, quite the answer, doesn't it? Feels like God is communicating his truth, his character, his attributes, his actions to us. He's, he's uh, brought us into the picture here to let us know his relationship with us and how we might have relationship with him. What and how he looks at the world around us. We read uh, in answering the question, who is God? We read it in Psalm 23 that he mercifully concerns his affairs of men, concerns himself with the affairs of men. What does that mean? That means that we're not just wandering around on this planet without his knowledge, without him knowing without him caring, without him wanting to be involved in our life, to direct our life, to, to bless us, to walk through those tough times, those valleys, those trials and tribulations. He concerns himself mercifully in the affairs of men. God the Father, God the Father. God is a male deity. He never identifies himself as female, nor as an unknowable, unidentifiable force such as the universe. Female deities are part of myths and false religions. God is not an angel. He is not a created being. He is not a man, and he does not embody a statue. As the male seed, he is the begetter and sender of Christ through a woman by his spirit. We remember in Luke 1.35, where the angel answered Mary's question and said to her, when she asked, how will I bear a son? I'm a a virgin. How is this possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the Holy Child will be called Son of God. Wow. Wow. Amazingly simple, but yet so profound. The definition of father is he who begets a child. <clears throat> the first ancestor, the progenitor or of a race or a family. One who feeds and supports or exercises paternal care over another. God as creator is the father of all mankind. That's a definition from uh, Webster's Dictionary, 1828, which was a ministry by Noah Webster 
to use definitions of words to give us the definitions, and he always connects it back to Scripture. Anytime you read a definition from Webster's, you get some Scriptures that support it. It's fascinating. John 3.16, you're familiar with this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we begin to understand what this beget begotten stuff is when we connect with this message of God the Father. Jesus called him Father, and we should as well. He told us to address him as such when we pray. Remember the apostles asked him, Jesus, teach us how to pray, Matthew 6, 9. Jesus says, pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. In uh, Matthew 10, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father, who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. And, and later on in Matthew, Jesus says, whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. So you see, by us doing the will of God, which is to believe on Jesus as our Lord and Savior, makes us related. We're brothers and sisters. We're related with Jesus. Uh, later on in Luke, he says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So you see, when we ask uh, who is God? How do we get to know God? He has to be revealed to us. He's revealed to us through the word, through Jesus, his son, and that's how we come to know him. Chat GPT does not have a spirit. It has references of where it jumped, drummed up all of its information. But we are created beings. We have a spirit. We have a soul. And God can put his spirit in us so that we know that he is God. And we come to know him often through trials and tribulations. The easy things, the things that come together, yeah, hopefully we're praising God for those. But more often than not, maybe we just kind of overlook it. Sometimes it's the toughest things that draw us closest to God. So do you know him? Do you know God? How to get to know him? You say, yeah, I want to know God. How do we get to know him? And Jesus says, we're all familiar with this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So to get to know God, to get to know the Father, we have to start with Jesus. We have to get to know Jesus. It's a spiritual knowledge that comes to us, not a book knowledge. You can't 
go to college and, and take a course and think that you can know God that way. You can't even go to seminary and think you can come to know God just by the book. It has to be a spiritual transaction. So, understanding who God is is foundational to having a biblical worldview. Just for memory's sake, a biblical worldview is when we look at the world, when we address the things in the world from the perspective of the Bible. That's a biblical worldview. There are other worldviews. There are secular worldviews. A secular worldview would take philosophy or reason or popular opinion, and that's how they would make their opinion on what's right, wrong, good or bad, and decisions. That's not a biblical worldview. So again, we, we try to train ourselves to think, to ask, to have a knee-jerk reaction when we're presented with something. What does the Bible say? Let's look in the Bible. Let's find out what the Bible says first and address it from there. That's a biblical worldview. So you might say, tell me more about them. Maybe people that you're talking to might say, tell me more about them. We hope that they would say that. Well, God is eternal. It means he's outside of and not bounded by time. He existed before time. So, I don't know, kind of in my mind, you know, God's out here and he's looking down and he creates this thing called time right here and the earth and humanity and it's going to last for X amount of thousands of years. You know, he's out <laughs> here. So he, he's looking from the outside in or on. And amazingly, he concerns himself with affairs in that and, and goes in, sends his son into that, sends his spirit into that. God is good. He is perfectly, perfectly benevolent. Uh, he's merciful and gracious to his creatures. We are his creatures. Do you think God is good? So often... We think God is bad, God is mean, that he's causing me problems. And that's the wrong view. Whenever you hear something from God or about God, you need to start with this principle. He is good. He's good all the time. Amen. If you don't start with that premise, you will never understand what he's trying to do in your life. What he wants you to know about him. You will never draw close to him because you will be suspicious of him. You will be an adversary to him. God is holy. He is perfect. He's wholly set apart and separate from all sin and evil. So we cannot say that God is evil. We cannot say that Jesus sinned because he was a man. God is holy. So often we want to bring him down more like us, you know, and not 
revere or ascribe holiness to him, thinking that he doesn't care what we do, think, or act or say. This whole process of life after we get saved until the time we go home is a process of sanctification where we are being made more holy like him. I hope you find in your walk of faith that you're more holy now than you were when you first started. Immutable. This is a great one, immutable. God is unchanging and unchangeable in his being. So his character is the same from the beginning to the end. His words, his will, his plan, the things he's laid out right here are unchanging. We have a hard time understanding that because we're kind of flighty. We change our minds. And, um, but God is not like that. So again, you got to start with Agreeing with the principle that he's good, that he's immutable, he's unchangeable, he does not lie. And then you can begin to understand some of the things he's wanting us to know. God is infinite. He is without end or limit. Now, understandably, we, we, we just can't comprehend that whole thing. Because infinity... It's not just a really, 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 really long time. Infinity has no beginning and no end. Eternally, no beginning, no end. We can't comprehend that because we have a beginning and yet we don't have an end. We're immortal. Once we're created, we're immortal. So everyone that's been created by God will exist for the rest of eternity, whether in heaven or hell. It's just a question of location. God is just. He is absolutely fair. He does not show partiality, and he maintains perfect moral standards. Common statement. But God, that's not fair. The problem with that statement is we're just not understanding what fair is from his perspective. You know, and that's what we we have to try to say, okay, God, show me what fairness is or show me what justice is. God is loving and forgiving. He seeks the highest good of his creatures. And that's kind of why I ask, are you living with purpose? Because God has that purpose for us and he's seeking our highest good. And as Adrian was saying, sometimes we have to go through that, you know, pig pen, that pigsty to get there. Omnipotent. This is a, a, a word that we need to understand. Omnipotent means he is all powerful. Nothing can stop or thwart his will. When we read Chat GPT's answer, did it sound like they were speaking of a God who is omnipotent, all-powerful. And we, our faith needs to grow. And we need to accept and believe that with God, all things are possible. 
often we're struggling with something and we just cannot see how it's going to happen. It seems really difficult. seems impossible. And with man, yeah, some things can be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what we need to do is ask God, give me a greater measure of faith. Help my unbelief that I can believe what you're saying. God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. He's present everywhere. Omniscient. God knows all things, both the actual things and the possible things. So when we see something happening, maybe it seems bad to us, maybe we don't agree with it, maybe we question it. But God sees more than just our little perspective. He sees out here. He knows where that situation, that circumstance is going to lead. Not in just that person's life, but in the people around. So we have to get to the point of asking, okay, God, what is your plan here? What are you trying to show me? What do I need to learn? Where are you going with this? He may not answer immediately. You might have to wait on his answer. He may want you to keep seeking and getting your heart right so that when he gives you the answer, you say, yeah, okay, I got it. God is one. He is unique. He alone is God. He is indivisible in his essence. And when we connect that with triune or the Trinity, we start to get a little stopped up, I guess. Because triune says, God eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each one of those divine persons is fully God. So don't say you don't believe that God is one or that you don't believe in the Trinity or triune God simply because you can't understand it. It's one of these things that we will never fully understand until we get to heaven. And even then, who knows? Um, I think there's a good chance when we get there, we'll have a much better understanding. We'll see clearly. But for right now, it just calls for faith. God has said it about himself. So it's up to us to believe. If you read through scripture, there's many situations where um, all three the Father, Son, and the Spirit are in that setting, in that passage. Um, there's sections in John, for example, where he talks about the Father, and then he talks about the Son, and then he talks about the Spirit. So it is admittedly a tough concept, but approach it with faith. God is sovereign. He is the supreme ruler of the universe, independent of any authority outside himself. Mm. And even in that, he concerns himself mercifully with the affairs of men. <coughs> so we get into situations in life where we're not really sure what's going on. We're not really sure what we should do. We're not really sure if this situation is from God or if God is even involved in this situation. And we're not quite sure how we should respond, how we should walk. 
what we should believe. But if we say to ourselves that we just need to trust God because he is sovereign and he has all authority, we start there, it starts to remove some of our doubt, and then we can begin to see what God's going to do, see what he's trying to show us. Well, you know, sometimes I heard a story, some people do get the answer, and yet they just don't see it. And the story I heard was about a man that was living in a cabin by a river, and storms started happening real bad and flooding upstream. And a neighbor came walking by and knocked on the door and said, hey, you better evacuate because it's going to flood around here. And, oh, well, God's going to take care of me. He's going to save me and all that. And a little bit later, it was the water was starting to get a little high and all that. And a guy with a camel came by and said, well, hop on the camel and I'll take you away because this is going to flood out. No, God's going to save me. He's going to take care of it. But later on, he's on the roof of his house. All the water's, you know, coming on up. A person with a boat came by and said, hop in, you know, and I'll take you on the you know, shoreline. No, God's going to help me. He's going to save me. Well, eventually the man drowned. And now he's in heaven, and he's angry with God. Why didn't you save me? He says, well, I sent the neighbor. I sent the camel. I sent the boat. What more do you want? <laughs> That's a good example. Um, God is transcendent. What do we mean by that? God is separate from and beyond the universe. So when people say the universe is going to do it, I'm depending upon the universe. I'm afraid of the universe because I really messed up and the universe is going to do something. God is transcendent upon that. He created the universe. And, and the time that the universe exists, the time that the universe moves within, the Bible says he created all the stars and he knows them by name. He put them right where they're at. He is transcendent. And finally, God is true. He advances and confirms that which is true. His word is trustworthy. His word is trustworthy. Uh, so often, we have people telling us the Bible's not true, it's a myth, it contradicts itself, whatever story they come up against the Bible with. But we need to just believe in faith that God, God's word is true in all things. We may not understand something. There are mysteries in the Bible. It's okay if you don't understand everything. The, the issue is just keep pursuing the understanding. Pursue knowledge. So again, do you know him? Do you know God? Because let me tell you, he knows you for sure. Why should we want to know him? I mean... Can't we just go along in life and when we're done, whatever's going to happen, happens, all without any influence from me? Well, the same question was asked by King Solomon. And he wrote it down in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the answer he arrived at was this. It was the, this is the last two verses of Ecclesiastes. The conclusion... When all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments 
because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So let me repeat, who is God? This is part of our doctrinal creed. We believe that there is one living and true God, eternally existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, equal in power and glory. And this triune God created all, upholds all, and governs all. We believe in God the Father, an infinite personal spirit, perfect in holiness, wisdom, power, and love. That he concerns himself mercifully in the affairs of men. That he hears and answers our prayer. And that he saves from sin and death all who come to him through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a God that we can love. That's a God that we can get to know. That's a God who wants us to know him, <laughs> wants us to come to him. All righty, praise God. Let's uh, gather around and pray for one another. <clears throat>